The following audio is from Grace Fellowship of Westerville. To learn more about our church, please visit our website at www.gracefcwesterville.org. look to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for another opportunity to be in your in your house of prayer with our brothers and sisters, and I ask that you guide us with your spirit as we look at your word this morning and what it has to say about the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. Is there something I'm doing or I'm getting lots of echo? You guys okay? You guys hear that? All right, show must go on, I guess. Well, the deeper I get into the Word and um, the more I study the Bible, the more I study church history, the more I learn about human nature, the more I understand the deep, deep, deep significance of what we call the Lord's Supper. There's two ordinances that Jesus Christ ordained. He left for us. It's baptism, and the other one's the Lord's Supper. And this morning I want to share some thoughts on the communion and tell you what the Bible has to say about the Lord's Supper. Now, as we come to the Lord's table, we have to understand that there is a right and wrong way to approach it. And we're going to review some scripture that lays an attitude that we should have as we come before the Lord's Supper, communion. Because there are proper table manners at the Lord's table. Just as like it is your home, you probably have some certain rules before you eat. Uh, You know, most people, they're different in each home. But I'm sure, for instance, you don't reach over others. You ask somebody to pass you something. Um, You don't speak with your mouth full. Uh, You know, in most Christians' homes, you wait till the blessing is asked on the food before you proceed. And as well as we come to the Lord's table, there, there are rules here as well. And there are proper table manners, etiquette, if you will. So I want to look at some verses with you. And the first verse is the First Corinthians 11. And the first two verses, remember we kind of read the first word where uh, Paul says, imitate me as just as I also imitate Christ, basically follow me like I follow Christ. And then in verse 2 he says, now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the traditions just as I delivered them to you. Now again, in King James Version, it says, keep the ordinances. And I want to make sure that we kind of, when you're reading Scripture, it's important to check kind of different translations. I don't have anything against different translations, but traditions are different than ordinances. Tradition, Jesus didn't say, hey, let me start a tradition. This is an ordinance. It's kind of an authoritative order. It's a decree. Decree. And so in some churches, we know they kind of, over-exalt the Lord's table. In other churches, it's slowly treated. It's denigrated. 
Some churches have doctrines I don't believe that are taught in the Bible, where, where they teach some of the elements when the broken bread and the broken, uh, you, you know, the body of Jesus Christ and the, 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 the juice kind of turns into the actual body and, and the blood of Jesus Christ. And, you know, somehow when the priest or whoever presides over it, it transforms and then the body of Christ is being sacrificed again. And it's kind of like uh, all over again. It's a forgiveness of sins. And there's a Greek word for that kind of teaching. It's called baloney. Because I don't believe I reject that with all unction, function, emotion of my soul. And the Lord's Supper is not a sacrament that adds anything saving grace to you. We are saved. We're not saved by taking the Lord's Supper. Jesus died once and for all. That's done. It's paid in full. It has nothing to do with that. There is no human effort that saves, wherever it's baptism or Lord's Supper or anything else. As we read in Titus 3.5, says, By night works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us through the washing of regeneration of renewing of the Holy Spirit. So salvation is not in these ordinances. The other side is that Christians deliberately neglect the Lord's Supper, or they stay at home, or they kind of indifferent in partaking in it. They say, well, if it doesn't save, it's not that important. And maybe it's just a ritual. But I want to tell you folks, studying the Word of God, it's more than a ritual. It's vitally important. Now, I don't believe taking these ordinances has anything to do with your, to get to heaven. But it does have to do with your obedience, your maturity, your testimony, and your necessary growth in the Lord Jesus Christ. And God forbid that we should ever minimize what God has emphasized. You see, every road has two ditches. Ditch on each side. The devil doesn't care which one he wrecks you in. Either it's in a ditch that says it's necessary for salvation, or in a ditch that says, hey, it's not important. So what I want to do is stay on the main Bible road, and take a look at what the Lord's Supper is. So what's the purpose of the Lord's Supper? Let's take a read in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty through 24. Number one, it is to remember the presence of the Lord. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat Lord's Supper, for, eating and drink, for in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others, and one is hungry and the other one is drunk. What, do you not have houses to eat or drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. For I received from the Lord that which I so delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, when we say do this in remembrance of me, we're not only talking about remembering somebody who has died and gone from us. We're remembering one who is now with us. Jesus speaking with his disciples, his apostles there, he was in, present, he was in their presence. He said, do this in remembrance of me. He wasn't away from them. And Hebrews 13.5 clearly says, For he himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So number one I want us to remember is that we are remembering 
his presence. So the Lord's Supper is not a moment of silence for the dead. In fact, it's a fellowship with a friend. We're fellowship with Jesus Christ this morning. He is here with us. This is his table. He's the host. We are fellowshipping with the Lord Jesus Christ. So we need to see beyond these symbols and look to the Savior. You know, I read that Leonardo da Vinci was the great artist. He worked for Duke of Milan for uh, 17 years. We all know he painted the Mona Lisa in the Lord's Supper. So that when the Duke of Milan uh, commissioned him to paint that painting, he said, I want, a, I want a painting of the Lord's Supper. So he painted it, and he was grateful for it. But before he presented it to the Duke, he invited his friend to give him honest feedback on the painting, what he thought about it. His friend looked at it and said, it's magnificent. I believe the most magnificent part of the painting is the cup, the chalice. I can't take my eyes off it. It's incredibly captivating. And when he said that, Leonardo da Vinci took a paintbrush, according to the account I read, and drew a cross across the cup. He said, nothing in this picture shall detract from the face of my Savior. So we need to seek and look past these elements. It's not the cup. It's not the bread. These are emblems. We need to look past the symbols to the Savior. Number two, we need to remember, remember the provision of our Lord. So number one, remember the presence of the Lord. Number two, the provision of the Lord. Look again in verse 24, 1 Corinthians. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Think of what Lord Jesus Christ has done for you, what he has provided for you. Why did he do it? He did it for you. You know, we say Christ died for my sins. That's true. But try saying it, Christ died because of my sins. We say Christ died for me. Try saying Christ died instead of me. This is my body which is broken for you. So how could I carelessly take into the hands of this cup, this bread that represents such provision without bowing my head with the greatest gratitude, without the heart that leaps for joy and praise says, Lord Jesus, thank you. Thirdly, we do not remember only his presence, his provision, but remember his passion. Remember his passion. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six says, For often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. We are taking into our hands the bread that represents wheat that was crushed, grounded, baked in the oven. This juice, the fruit of the wine, the grape that was pressed, crushed. And this morning, we need to remember his passion. Don't, don't be careless. Think of what Jesus did, what his death and resurrection mean for you. You know, I heard a preacher preach a sermon about Lord's Supper. And as he was preaching and describing the Lord's death on the cross, it was kind of weird. He went and telling the story about a fisherman and his dog. And I heard this illustration the pastor used, and I cannot forget it. I did not personally like it at first, but it did drive the point home. It was about a man who was out fishing and if taken his dog with him. 
just an ordinary dog. He was a very passionate fisherman. And when he looked like the fish was going to bite, about to bite, the dog started barking and scared the fish away. So the man cursed the dog. So he's sitting out there for a while again, waiting for the fish. And the dog did something to irritate the man. So he took his axe, took the dog, put it on the gunnel of the boat, and cut off his paw. It fell into the water. He took another paw, chopped off that paw, and so on. And then he threw the dog into the water, and the dog drowned. Now, here in that example, I see the same expression on your face. How is it that we feel, I, f- I felt what you felt, I, f- I feel, felt angry at the man and I felt bad for the dog. But could it be that the story of Christ, we're so used to it, we don't feel that way every time we hear it. And that's what the pastor is trying to get at. He said, I saw more expressions on your face when I was talking about a dog and how he was massacred than when I was talking about the passion of the Lord, what he went through. Could it be that we're so used to it that we don't really think about it anymore? It just becomes so regular to us that it's everything that we keep doing. So why do we take this supper? To remember his presence, remember his provision, remember his passion, and to remember his purpose. In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty nine, it says this, For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgments to himself, not discerning for the Lord's body. Look at the word discerning. It literally means not understanding, not perceiving, not concentrating on the Lord's body. So the question becomes, what does he mean when he says Lord's body? Is he talking about the physical body of the Lord Jesus Christ that walked here on earth? Or is he talking about the church? I believe he's talking about both. I believe that when we take Lord's Supper, we should be watchful. We should be mindful in the broken body that shed the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He died in agony and blood on the cross. We should be also mindful of our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're bound in one love. You see what happened here at Corinth. People have come to take the Lord's Supper, and rather taking the Lord's Supper, they made a, some kind of drunken brawl out of it. Some actually were getting drunk, and Paul said, what are you doing? Such things you're eating and drinking, you're actually drinking and eating judgment. Because you don't have to discern for the Lord's body. What was the purpose of Lord's suffering on the cross? You see, his passion, his provision, his purpose is that we would have a new body, the church. And the reason the Lord's Supper is a church ordinance is to hear bind us together to say we are one and bound of love. Go back to Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 17. Look what it says. For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. We are all one. The word partake means fellowshipping in that one bread. We, all of us, are the Lord's body. That's what he's saying. In 1 Corinthians 12, 13, it says, For one spirit we are all baptized into one body. That's why it's so important that you come together when we take the Lord's Supper. 
and Lord's Supper is a church ordinance, it shows that we are one bound in love. And those are the purposes, kind of high level, of the Lord's Supper. Now let me talk to you secondly about the preparation for the Lord's Supper. The Bible tells us if you look in verse 28, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight, But let a man examine himself and let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. You know, not everyone here this morning is prepared to take the Lord's Supper. So how can we be prepared? Who is this Lord's Supper for? First, it's for the redeemed. It's for the redeemed. Believers share in the work of Christ as they partake the Lord's Supper. Jesus obviously shared this meal with his disciples. Obviously, this context of 1 Corinthians, it is written to a church, to the church of God in Corinth. And I want to look at Acts 2.42, as it says what the early church was devoted themselves to. What were they devoted to? They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of the bread. All throughout the Old New Testament, the picture of Lord's Supper is being celebrated in context of God's body. The body of Jesus Christ, the church, the covenant community of God. And 1 Corinthians 10.21 tells us these words. Rather that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and the table of demons. Friend, you cannot hold the world in one hand and try to hold on to the Lord in another hand. It's impossible. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and cup of the devil. You cannot be half saved. Being half saved is altogether lost. When we, you know, I said a long time ago, we tend to divide people in different uh, groups, different classes, high class, low class, and so forth. And remember what God has? He has two glasses. The ain'ts, the saints and the ain'ts. That's it. If you have not made a clean break with the world, if you've not given your, yourself to Jesus Christ 100%, if you're not committed to his lordship, it doesn't matter how many times you've been to church. It doesn't matter if you sing in choir. If you have not trusted in Christ for salvation, submitted him as lord of your life, then this meal is not that you've partaken. It's for those people who are celebrating what Christ has done in their lives, and it's only for those who are saved. But not only it's for those who are saved, for the redeemed, it's also for the reconciled. Reconcile. 1 Corinthians eleven eighteen says this, For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and, I part, and in part, I believe it. And then he said, as a result of that, God is going to judge you. So friend, if there's in your heart any animosity toward any human upon the face of this earth, do not partake in the Lord's Supper. If there's bitterness, a grudge, remember we talked about grudges last time a little bit. If there's grudges, do not take in the Lord's Supper. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to agree with that other person does. It doesn't mean you have to approve what others do. But I'm telling you, if in your heart there's lack of reconciliation, if you don't have a, there's a spirit of non-reconciliation in your heart, do not partake. Remember, we also read last, last Sunday from Matthew 5, 23, 24. Remember these words. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar 
and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. Be first reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. You see, the Lord's Supper is a family meal. And the Lord of the family desires that his children love one another and care for one another. It's impossible for a true Christian, for a true Christian to get closer to the Lord and at the same time be separated from his fellow believers. We can, uh, how can we remember Lord's death? How can we even talk about it and what it means if we don't love our brother? In 1 John 4.11 says this, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. We need to make every effort that leads to peace. Romans 14.19 tells us this, Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one many edify another. You know, sometimes, you, I heard and happened to me too, you try to apologize to a brother or sister, you admit that you were wrong, but they just don't want to forgive you. So are you not reconciled? Of course, there will be people that do not want peace. So how do you do that? They don't have the desire to do the peace. But the Bible tells us in Romans 12, 18, if, it, if it's possible, as much depends on you, live peacefully with all men. Basically, that means is, did you try on everything on your part? Did you seek peace? Did you try reconciliation? If you did, be at peace. You cannot answer what, how the other person responds. So the Lord's, the Lord's Supper is a symbol of unity, communion of the body of Christ. So it's for the redeemed. It's for the reconciled, and thirdly, it's for the reverent. 1 Corinthians 11, 20, 22 again. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper, for in eating, each takes his own supper ahead of others. And one is hungry and another one is drunk. What? Do you want? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. You know, sometimes you hear people say, we need to go back to the Old Testament church or the New Testament church, apologize. We need to go back to the, you know, how apostles had it. Well, this is one church we want to avoid. <laughs> we don't want to go back to this church. You see, Paul praised them. Remember, said, hey, I, I praise you for remembering and keeping the traditions of the ordinances. And now he's saying, I'm not going to praise you. So he praised them for keeping the ordinance, but how they handled it, that was the problem. How they approached it, how, how did, were they respectful toward it. And what was happening here, again, what was meant to be a reverent, respectful, humble remembrance of the broken body of Christ, it turned into a frolic feast and basically a party. They failed to be reverent at taking the Lord's Supper. So what we're dealing with here with this morning is a joyful occasion. It is. It need not be solemn. But we must be serious with absolute reverence. We have to be respectful of what this means. This is dealing with the shed blood and broken body of the Son of God. This is the Son of God. So never joke, never take lightly, never hold these elements in your hands loosely. But not only it's for the reverent, it's for the repentant. 1 Corinthians 11, 28, 30. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. 
For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning for the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. And when he says sleep, he doesn't mean rockabye baby sleep. Some are dead. Lord's Supper involves deep confession of sin. It is that we're recalling not just sin in general, but specific sin. They're the things that I said last week. The thoughts that I had that were not pure. Images that I've looked at on TV or internet. It's the actions I've taken. Bitterness I've held. It's the gossip. Maybe I always indulged in wealth and ignored the poor. So if we are to participate in a worthy manner, we must examine our own hearts. Judge our sins and confess them to the Lord. See, what happens is if we will not judge our sins, then God will judge our sins until we do confess them and forsake our sins. He's going to chasten us. That says so in uh, verse 31, 32, 1 Corinthians. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. So if you would, you're kind of the first in line. Judge yourself. You're the judge before God gets to you. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. So, friends, we need to understand when God judges us, he doesn't judge us because he hates you. He judges you because he loves you. See, God loves you just like the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. When we are disciplined, it is so we will not be taken over, overtaken with the world. So the Bible says, if we judge ourselves, we will not be judged. So this is the time we deal with, with sin. We examine ourselves. We don't condemn ourselves. Let me correct that. So some people just feel like they have to condemn. No, examine yourself. Say, Lord, shine the spotlight of your conviction of my heart. Is there anything here that's not right with you? Show it to me so I might confess it. It is sin that separates us for God. From God. Sin separates us from the blessings. And you know how foolish we are when we leave, live with unconfessed sin. I want to read to you Psalm 32 verses 3 to 5. And again, I'm not big on translations. It's up to you. But I like the way it says in New Living Translation. This is King David. He says, when I refused to confess my sin, my body was wasted away. I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in summer heat. Finally, I confessed my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And what happened? And you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. So if there's sin in your life, deal with it. Deal with it now. So you will take in the Lord's Supper. So the Lord suffers for the redeemed, reconciled, reverent, and repentant. So what does this participation mean? Why should we do it? Apostle Paul wrote to Corinthians and says, I praise you for keeping the ordinance. And then we just read in verse 28, the land man examined himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink the cup. He doesn't say examine yourself and not eat. He says, examine yourself and eat. Why would we examine ourselves and then eat? Well, when we truly examine ourselves, we confess our sins. We can judge our sins. And when we judge it, God forgives it. So what we uncover, God covers. And what we try to cover, 
God uncovers. So the reason the Lord's Supper is such a blessing and brings us to a place where we let the Holy Spirit do radical surgery on us, expose anything in our heart that lives that should not be there. So it's a time of covenant. In Corinthians 11.25 it says, In the same manner he took the cup of the supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant of my blood. This do as often as you drink in remembrance of me. It's a covenant. It's a blood covenant. When I take this cup, when I take this bread, and I'm saying, God, I'm in covenant with you, and I'm in covenant with all these people here, my brothers and sisters. It's a time of communion. In uh, Corinthians eleven twenty six, for often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. You see, you eat what I eat. You drink what I drink. We're in a covenant commun- communion because we're common love, our common respect, our common commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. So today's message is going to be kind of short, but God laid on my heart that we take a pause and think about what this truly means. We should not take lightly, again, as no saving impact, as some would suggest. But think about it. This is not just the cup we take and go in our way. Think about what it means for you. So I'm going to ask the men to come forward. They're going to help with the communion in up front. So I want you to remember the presence of the Lord. He is here with us this morning. I want you to remember the provision of the Lord. His body was broken for you. I want you to remember the passion of the Lord. No one ever suffered like Jesus suffered. And he suffered for you. And I want to remember the purpose of the Lord. That might be one body. Now, we're going to take some time to examine our heart. Take some time to examine your heart. And I'll take time to examine my heart. So ask yourself these questions. If you're redeemed, if not, don't take it. Are you reconciled? Is there something in your heart, some resentments that are holding you back? Confess it. Are you reverent? Are you repentant? The Bible says if we confess our sins, He is faithful. He'll forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So the Bible says, let a man examine himself. Let's do just that. Let's take a few moments and examine ourselves. Father, we come to the table and we ask you would open our hearts to self-examination. Lord, maybe we ask that you cleanse us all. May we come as humble sinners with no self-righteousness that will not be chastened but blessed by you. Father, we thank you for your son Jesus and his sacrificial death upon the cross for the redemption of the world. And we give you thanks for the bread and the wine, the cup, symbols of Jesus' broken body and blood that shed for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time explaining the Lord's Supper since I did that. But in 1 Corinthians 11.23 we read again, 
the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he gave thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us eat this bread in remembrance of Christ's sacrifice and his broken body for us. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. This do as often as you drink in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat and drink, the, drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes.
drink this and remember that Christ's blood was shed for you and be thankful. And we do have a tradition of grace that we close by singing Amazing Grace all together. Thank you again for this wonderful day that you let us gather here with our brothers and sisters and remember what you did for us on the cross. Let us not take it lightly or don't let us get used to it. And Father, I, as we dismiss, I ask that you be with every single one of us, keep us, and that we be witnesses wherever we may go. In Jesus' wonderful name I pray, amen. amen. God bless.